0: Uh, hello once again, good evening. Back with Lost in the Lockdown, doing episode I've lost track already. That was a good start. <laughs> Seven, eight, maybe nine, I don't know. <laughs> we're We've backed a few uh... at this point. I think we're on eight, that's right. Yes, yeah, so episode eight, where we're talking episode seventeen and eighteen. That's in translation and numbers. So we're one like we said last week, we're getting we're rearing towards the finale at this point which at the moment's four weeks off for us, which is amazing to think that we'll have covered a whole season of a show in <laughs> what has f- felt like such little time. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it, personally.
1: <laughs> it's made the lockdown go a bit quicker, <laughs> I suppose, in a,
0: way, in a weird way. They always say, don't they, that if you've got something to look forward to, things go quicker. So every Thursday I know and I'll be sitting down recording with you guys and yeah. it, it just makes the week go a little yeah. bit quicker.
2: I can't really yeah, I can believe every time Thursday comes around, it's like, Really? Has it been a whole week since we've we've last done this? It's very strange.
0: <laughs> That's how I feel about The Last of Us Part Two at the moment. I'm like, is this gonna end oh, yet? Yeah. <laughs> it's just never <laughs> end it's just never ending <laughs> at the moment. Um I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. But anyway, so this week we are, like I say, episode 17 and 18. So we've touched upon these characters already before. The first one is Jin and Sun, who I think on this podcast we agree are very good characters. And um, we'll get more into that within translation. And numbers is Hurley, which, again, if you've been listening, you know, we like Hurley as well. He's he's a nice comic relief, but he's just lovely. Anyway, you just want to give him a big, <laughs> big old hug. So we'll get further into Hurley's backstory in a bit. But first off, we'll start with in translation. So Scott will do his normal rundown of things, but John is going to be doing a bit of a new thing for each episode whereby we're gonna he's gonna discuss some of the guest stars that we've had because we realised last week that the T 1000 himself, Robert Patrick was in. And um, we do actually get quite a number of guest stars throughout this series, so it'll be good to hear from John as well. So we'll start with you, Scott. Whose birthdays have we got?
1: Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw a curveball and I'm going to completely remove the birthdays element because Ooh. apart from any lost alum, so I think it's to, to be a bit more on brand, I think we'll do the birthdays, but um, I have got, uh, for the next episode, I have got a... Uh, I guess the hip-hop star's birthday, because we've had Snoop Dogg and Ice-T till now. Uh, we've got another one <laughs> upcoming, so stay tuned for that one. Um, Bloody hell. So I've got some trivia, though, for this one, um, as well as the stats. So it broadcast on 23rd of February 2005, this had uh, 19.49 million viewership, and that is just over 1.5 million increase from last week. So that was really dropping the viewership after the um, whatever the case may be episode, which was the series high. Mm-hmm. And now it's picking up again. Um, this was directed by Tucker Gates, written uh, another episode by Javier guillaume Marchwatch, um And in, uh, in sort of in TV history, on this day in 1997, uh, NBC showed Schindler's, uh, Schindler's List uncensored for the first time. Um, wow. And it... the audience in america was 65 million people (laughs) that watched it wow that's just when
0: you think about that though that's insane i I
1: did some i did some research and at the time there was 101 million households so i don't know if that if that refers to million uh millions of people or households i'm guessing it will be households but if you just think about still 65 million regardless of whatever the, the figure relates to it's that's, yeah. that's the power of Spielberg. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's, uh, yeah. I think, in terms of ha- when they say household, they mean it's the, I don't know how they work it out, but it's every TV that has uh, every house that has a TV, basically. Yeah. I think, uh, whether one or two TVs, I don't know how it works nowadays, but it does go to show, though, that I guess when did you say '97? Yeah, '97. I mean, what that's, yeah that's not really that long ago and you know you're getting 65 million for schindler's list and tv series now get nothing really even films get nothing so just shows you how the world's changed a lot
1: i think obviously the subject material isn't for everyone but you'd guess that each household would have an adult and an adult who is aware of spielberg and an adult who Mm. is aware of the subject material so Maybe they might just flick on and flick off. I don't know. Just by accident, Hmm. that could be a thing. That counts as one. (laughs) If not seven seconds.
0: Daddy, the guy who did ET's got a new film out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to watch that one. I don't think. (laughs) In all seriousness, great film, hard to watch. Not watched it since I first watched it. Basically, is it Spielberg? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah.
1: For some reason, I thought it was Oliver Stone. Just, I just. It's not caught to me. on foot. is it Oliver Stone? No, definitely.
0: Oh, Oliver Stone can't do anything that doesn't involve Vietnam. <laughs> oh, fair
1: enough.
0: In some yeah, capacity, it's, it's definitely
2: Spielberg because <laughs> the like the the trivia is that he did uh, Schindler's List and uh, Jurassic Park in the same year, which is insane. That's right. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. That's that's um, what's the word? I can't I can't get my words in tonight. He ran between that's, lots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's diversity right there, isn't it? <laughs> that is diversity. Props to that, dude. Props to that, dude. So, have we got any any more at all? Uh,
1: no, that was the only interesting trivia. That's As I say, on-brand stuff, I think, is the best way with this. Um, yeah. But yeah, everything else was all politically and, you know, like, monarchy-related. Like, no one cares <laughs> that
0: <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, not particularly. So, in terms of production, it's a fairly standard uh, crew, really, because we've had Javier write a few before. I think Tucker Gates... Was one of the in-house guys as well. He's directed quite a few across the series. Yeah, that's right. And I think he's done a lot. He's done a lot with JJ and Damon Lindelof too. So he was
1: another one of so, those. So, he's just kind of brought along with him on this little JJ train. Yeah,
0: I think Tucker Gates did a lot of Alias. I could be wrong. I might have to do a quick look, but I'm pretty sure he was on Alias beforehand.
1: Yes. The other quick yes.
0: Way. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he did uh, some X Files too. He did. Oh of course, we've discussed this before. He did Threat Level threat midnight, midnight on the yeah. American Office. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Threat Level Midnight keeps coming back. <laughs> Love it. Right. Let's dig let's dig into this. So um Oh I've uh, got we, my uh, so as always we'll start I've with got the my actors. So, oh yeah, sorry, John. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I <laughs> just dropped
2: before we started. Um the the only um real actor um of note, or sorry, guest star of note uh is the actor that plays uh son's father i don't think he's given a, a first name in this it's just mr um pike I, I, apologies if i'm pronouncing that wrong i probably am um but the the actor's name is byron chung uh, and he's been in quite a few stuff he seems to be one of those sort of jobbing tv actors you know somebody that just pops up uh every so often yeah, yeah. for one episode and then you never you never hear from again um uh he's been in a few episodes uh going back to the late seventies, early eighties of MASH. Yeah, about half a dozen episodes of MASH, mm-hmm. and then he was in, as I said, like West Wing at Alias, another JJ Abrams uh, production, which I imagine is where mm-hmm. the uh the casting came from again. Uh it was Alias in two thousand and four, and then mm-hmm. uh he was cast in in lock for this episode, which was two thousand and five. Uh but apart from that. Um, there hasn't been a huge amount after that. Uh, he seems to have been been in another. Uh, it looks as though it's a a Vietnam type war called Black Sheep Squadron, playing Captain Harachi Um, but no, it's a, it's a fairly oh, right. uh, sorry World War Two. Apologies, um, but yeah,
0: it's quite a, di- a diverse uh, yeah. f- filmography there. It's quite a lot in
2: there, but as I say, he's one of those guys that that will show up, and you might recognise his face, but then you you'll. you'll Not see him again in that series. It'll be another series a couple of years down the line before you see him again. Be like, oh, what was he in last time? You've completely forgotten. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Quite a varied. um, Quite a varied filmography.
0: I've I've just. I've just got his. um, I've just got his wiki up, and he was in something called Airwolf, which in the eighties, which I immediately want to watch just by the name of. Oh, Airwolf
2: is one of those like (laughs) I remember. Yeah, it's like one of those uh, A-team sort of era shows. Yeah. Wow i don't know if you go back if you go does back it, to it does now. it kind
0: of complete this is it complete the circle of bad i ever said i have something called the circle of bad where if it goes around the circle it's immediately good again <laughs> you know like so bad it's good but if it completes the circle i have to give it its due and say do you know what okay i see what you're trying to do here because <laughs> every time i've watched the a team i thought this is bad but i'm enjoying it
2: <laughs> I, i'd say it's along the same sort of lines yeah um i can't can't say for That's can't say for certain. Different. I don't remember too much of it, but it's uh, it's it's the night boat of its day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic!
1: Jeez, night
0: <No>, <laughs> boat. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, then. Thank you for that, John. Um, I'll remember next time that that is a new segment that we will be doing. So I will. Sorry no. about that. We will move on swiftly. so we'll get stuck into in translation which is primarily based around uh jin, i believe um hold on a second i've just put my notes down by mistake yeah so this primarily features jin but obviously sun appears uh, as well in some of the in some of the flashbacks uh, but this is kind of shedding light a lot more light on the character of Uh, Jin, who obviously we know to not at this point anyway speak any English, Uh, he he is literally lost in translation and he's lost on an island with his wife who he doesn't know speaks English, cheeky blinder, but she, um, you get more of his arguably disturbing backstory, which involves him working under son's father, as John has already uh, mentioned. Who I'm, I th- I believe I'm assuming he's meant to be part of like the the mafia of or some organized crime unit yeah. I think is what we are meant to yeah, believe. I think. Um, I don't know if I'm getting
2: my uh, my countries mixed up, but it does seem to be sort of yeah the the Korean the Korean mafia. I don't know if there's a there's a name for that. Um, I don't want to say the wrong thing and and be accidentally offensive. Um, no, I know what the, you mean. Yeah, but the mafia no, I agree, and, and, I agree. and Jin is employed as. Uh, an enforcer, I
0: guess. Yeah, and it's all to do with I mean, the flashbacks kind of begin with Jin visiting her father to ask for a hand Mm -hmm. in marriage which is a very, you know, normal thing to do and he... Is it? uh, What, asked the hand in marriage? Well, I
1: didn't. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I got told off. Funnily enough, I didn't really either. I say I got told off but you know, there's only the mums in both our families so Oh, fair I thought, enough. oh, that, yeah. And then it was just kind of when we got engaged, it was very much um, not planned as such. And I still don't really think I've got down on one neon <laughs> to this day. Oh, it was kind of like we went for a spa weekend and we went back to the room to charge our phones after a night of eating. We were going to go out for drinks. And then I can't even remember how it, we kind of got to it, but we just kind of said, do you want to get married? And they're like, yeah, I will if you will. Are you sure? And then it was a lot of, are you sure? Yes, no, yes, no. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so in that respect, I agree with you, Scott. <laughs> but the movies and the TV series will have you believe that you have to do this. It's, it's very much a trope. Um, whether people do it in real life, that's their discretion. Um, and you, know, you get a slap on a wrist from your mother-in-law as a joke, anyway, if you don't do it. <laughs> um, thankfully, I was accepted, so that was good. Um, but yeah, Jin is asking for her hand in marriage, and I believe he starts talking about his dreams, really, what he wants to do and have a family. I think he wants to own his own restaurant, doesn't he, and his own hotel. We get the um, the plot line of, I believe, Jin's father, um, or at least him saying his dad's dead. Yeah, yeah. And saying that he, you know, he'd do anything, he'd do anything for son, which then obviously spikes his dad's, uh, her dad's interest. Saying he's got a job for him, but it's quite unspecific about what that would entail. So you're already getting some shiftiness involved. But the one thing I picked up in these early bits really is how, how different he clearly was before he got involved with her dad.
1: Yes, it's quite, um, yeah, it's it's very evident. Between the two parts of the flashback, from initially him meeting with the dad, and then when he's assigned to go to see your your boy with the dog, uh, yeah, yeah, he's it's it's a massive shifting character and yeah, you know, just demeanour and everything.
0: Yeah, because is this the episode where there's the flashback? It's kind of like what, it's that very typical what became known for Lost, where. They clearly chop the flashbacks up and scatter them throughout various episodes, but is this the one where he comes back with blood over him and you don't quite know why? That's
1: right. It bridges the gap between yeah. uh, Hathorod and yeah. sun and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, that flashback. Yeah. You see it. the same... Yeah,
0: so we'll get into yeah. so we'll get. It.
1: You see,
2: the, you Sorry, see the, the same scene, but you have the the added context of this being more about Jin when the previous one was about Yeah, sun. yeah. Uh, and I, th- That's right. I think you see a little yeah. bit more of the like the, the scene in the bathroom at the end, uh, because obviously the previous episode,
0: the you camera do, follows yeah.
2: Sun, but in this one, you know, it shows that the weight is, is weighing on Jin uh, in that in the bathroom scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think a lot like the previous, uh, the last chunk of episodes, really, that we've talked about, in terms of the flashbacks, not an awful lot happens, but in terms of content, but I think in terms of themes thematically, it's very, very hmm. strong. Has has been House of the Rising Sun as well uh, earlier on in the season, because even though not a lot happens, it's all implied and it's very well written in the sense that you, clearly Jin is rising through the ranks of Sun's father's organization. Um, I think he talks about delivering messages, which you know is very hush hush. It's not simply take this piece of paper and give it to so and so. There's there's a message. It's you know go beat him to a pulp or that kind of thing. And you know, I, I'm assuming the t- the the writers have assumed people have watched enough crime dramas to get what they're, they're talking about. When well, not Jin, Apparently, yeah. It's
2: the Jim. Um, what's that? Sorry, obviously hasn't because he just goes and it's like we slap on the rest
1: and then he leaves. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Which gets him
1: in trouble. Yeah, I don't think he understands the terminology. <laughs> it's like when we say deliver a message. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's not seeing much in terms of Costa Nostra sort of like media <laughs> or like, you know, not bread much in books.
0: <laughs> yeah, because he, he wants him to deliver a message, doesn't he? To like close another arrivals factory, I think, isn't it? That's right. Uh, yeah, and when he doesn't kind of fulfill how a uh, son's father wants him to do it, he expresses his displeasure mm-hmm. in him. Um, and that's where the puppy comes into the play. Um which uh, is, I believe, a Labrador. Is it a Golden Retriever? It's very similar to Vincent, isn't it? It
1: looks like a chocolate a chocolate lab,
0: or is it a chocolate lab? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But, I can't remember. But, it, I, can,
1: but I, I like that scene <laughs> because the Jin uh, clearly doesn't. He doesn't. It, it, how he is? He's. Um, he's not. Um, when he first goes to see that guy, he's not like anxious or anything. Mm. He goes in. He just says, you know, just tells him about the factory, and the guy's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, just t- take the dog." And like, the poor little girl's like, dog's gone. <laughs> and Jin's kind of like, his reaction isn't like, oh, I'm kind of surprised by this. It's more like, oh, this is how it goes. This is what it's <laughs> like. Yeah. I'll just kind of take the dog and go. It's fine. It's all sorted. Don't worry about it. We've got it. We've got so much. Like
0: <laughs> One of the things I've written in my notes, actually, is it's it brings up the recurring theme that's been so uh, prevalent, in, especially in this first season, about parental issues, not in this episode, not necessarily, well, I guess definitely father, daddy issues, but generally parent, parental issues. So, you know, uh, I guess, Jin, uh, sorry, son's a bit on rocky ground with her father, just because of the, I guess, the culture and the way he is as a businessman. There's clear, she clearly knows something's going on with her dad, but she kind of stays away from it. She kind of doesn't clearly want to admit what he does and how she's got to be in this form of life. But Jin, on the same hand, I guess, uh, he, he's forced to work for him and forced to hurt other people. You know, that brings in those parental issues. But also, he's he's estranged from his dad. You know, he'd rather say that his dad's dead because he's embarrassed by him because he's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. So you, you're now getting Jin into the fold with all the daddy issues. So many of them have daddy issues. Now that we've started <laughs> talking about it, I can't believe how much how many daddy issues there are. Let's on okay, that's, 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 that's,
1: that's name one character who... Doesn't have a parental issue in in the main cast of like say
0: in the main cast of, of
1: this season of the first season who doesn't have parent issues <clears throat> between now and the end of the season Hurley you're joking right What about what about Cheech
0: Oh mm. yeah yeah crap uh, abandoned him, didn't Damn he? it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah he did um not John Locke obviously no. definitely not Jack uh Kate I Oh can't...
2: no 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 not Kid does... Kid does.
0: Shh. Not Kate, yeah. no, no, not Kate, no, uh, not Kate. It might be her I'm stepdaddy just to f-
1: who shares the oh, issue right with, okay. but,
0: um, S- but I think... Still technically parental issues. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think he adopts her, I'm not sure. Charlie? Um, Charlie,
0: maybe? Um, I guess Charlie to an extent, yeah.
1: His problems arise from his brother, I guess, to, yeah. to a small extent. Yeah. but no one You could he very,
0: mind. very loosely argue that he looks up to his brother as a, as a you know, not as a parent, but he's his mm-hmm. older brother so he, he looks up to him in that respect but i think probably charlie's your only one really i guess by default you know knowing what we know after we've watched the series claire definitely <laughs> will do yeah not not that you know it at this point but you know claire definitely um
1: it's interesting isn't yeah.
0: it <laughs> yeah it's probably the one I wonder what going on in call. that writer's room <laughs> Can you imagine like JJ in the first pilot episode is right, right. I'm right in the series Bible and every single one of them at an absolute minimum needs daddy issues. Write that into the story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how you do it. Just write it in. It clearly had <laughs> okay, not
1: old man that week or something. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just think that that obviously that recurring theme of parental issue is, is still prevalent amongst them all. And I guess it's definitely it's definitely one of the big overarching themes of the whole series. Mm. Definitely. Um but as we go through the episode and the flashbacks especially, we obviously get that added context. I am skipping through some of the flashbacks. Like I say, there's not an awful lot of content especially. Mm. Um, but I, I like
2: that um, because, but, you know, Han Han, no, the Hitman's called Han, sorry. They surround right. the Hitman. Who again, just to with another Simpsons reference, you know the the episode uh, where Homer's like, just watch the little guy. You know he's going to do something cool. That hitman is dressed exactly the same way. <laughs> like you just see him stood oh in the God, back yes. in the, the white suit. It's just like, oh, okay, is that a thing? Is that like a stereotype of hitman or something? Of uh, Asian hitmen.
0: I think I've said this before, but. Since rewatching The Simpsons on Disney Plus, since it came out, there is literally a Simpsons reference oh, yeah. for oh, anything okay. in life, or a Simpsons, gi- a Simpsons gif <laughs> for anything in life. It's so yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But no,
2: the point I was making was that um, obviously, instead of uh, the Hitman going to kill, um, I think it's like the secretary for something, what is it, environment? The secretary from the bank. Yeah, it's yes. the secretary. And, you know, Jin does what he does to save his life. And I, I thought that was really nice, you know, that he's like, he, he secretly says to the man, you know, at the end, it's like, I just saved your life. You should be thanking me, sort of thing. Um, but again, it, it's, it's yeah, the yeah. nice. Um, I guess he's taking the fall, but at the cost, of, it sounds a bit dramatic, but, you know, he's doing all this for Son, but at the cost of his own. Uh, I can't think of another word apart from soul. It sounds very dramatic, but um, yeah, he,
0: he's doing no, no. He's doing. I think you're right, though. I, I think it's it, yeah. I think it's definitely like a battle yeah. for his soul because ultimately, I mean, I think we've seen it in previous episodes, and we know it. It gets in terms of brutality that that whole bit is mm. quite brutal, to be honest with you. Um, he, he doesn't hold back, and I love how quick it, it's kind of almost proven a point, he just kinda of bursts in, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. And he just grabs the guy and just pummels him within an inch of his life. And I think you've got the the added um the added horror, I guess, of him doing it in front of uh the man's wife and little yeah, little yeah. kid, the little yeah. Uh, girl. Yeah. Um you know, that, that definitely gets the message across, oh, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. After after what he after him assuming to have failed prior mm-hmm. in the episode. Or flashback should I say. Yeah. That you know, he says the factory has to open, um, and Mister Han, the hitman, Mister Han, the <laughs> hitman, <laughs> he got the message, you know. And then this this is a nice segue into uh, the context of House of the Rising, somewhere he returns home to Sun with the blood on his hands, um, and and now you get it from Jin's perspective, <clears throat> don't you? Yeah,
2: and after after um, um, she leaves, you know, he just he just kind of breaks down. Uh, while well, he's alone in the bathroom, uh, or yeah, yeah at the sink, and uh, yeah, it's it's very affecting. You know, it's it's not a, a, especially new. You know, the say the husband does all these horrible things for the sake of his wife, but the horrible things that he's doing are driving him away from his wife. You know, it's 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 a story you, you've mm-hmm. heard before, but it's, like throughout the this episode, these two actors, like, this is maybe some of the best acting I think we've seen in this this season so far and like i just think they're they're terrific
0: hands da- hands down they are i absolutely love daniel day-kim um he's so under- whenever you speak about lost he's so yeah. underrated i think he always has been in my mind um just what he can do w- just with his facial expressions i think i think it's especially interesting and i think we've discussed it previously is that even though he's of Korean descent, first and foremost, he, he is an American, you know, and he had to learn Korean again for the show, which oh, wow. I thought was always quite an interesting thing. Whereas Yunjin Jin Kim, whose son, uh, she's also Korean American, but she grew up more in Korea. So it was an interesting dynamic from the off to have the American, uh, the Korean American, who didn't really speak a lot of Korean to speak entirely in Korean yeah. <laughs> for, you know, a good part, portion <laughs> of the show. But yeah, it's it's that it's it's good that you got both perspectives of that that context with the the blood on the hands. It's very Macbeth in my mind. It's it's yeah. very Shakespeare, <laughs> you know, the blood yeah. on his hands. But it also shows just the degradation that he he feels he has to go through almost to to please his wife, just because her dad's a bit of a strict. Our soul, really, let's be honest about it.
1: <laughs> was there I'm guessing there was yeah. a conversation where or it was merely implied that if you don't do this for me, then you can forget about marrying son or being with son.
0: Yeah.
1: So he's yeah. literally like you say, he's pretty much yeah, just selling his soul to the devil. Yeah. Yeah, I mean pretty much
0: And in and in a very weird way, it's very lovely because he clearly loves son to death, but in order to do that, <laughs> he has to do all mm. of these things. But he
1: says, doesn't he? he? Says, "What will you do?" And he says, "I'll do anything." Like he literally yeah. said, "I'll do <laughs> anything." So, yeah, that's you know, that's free ball. <laughs> you know, may do whatever
0: you want. Yep. Go bludgeon this man to death, yeah. okay? <laughs> um, and then the the final bit of the flashback I think is quite lovely is that you know he uh he visits his dad in the fishing village, um. It's not so much a, a twist as such, because obviously in prior he'd said he, he was dead. It's more that he's embarrassed by him. It's not that he doesn't love him, he's embarrassed by him because he's from a lower standpoint in, I guess, Korean society than would be expected for him to be marrying son who is in a, a rich um, Korean society. Um, but it's it's just that, that, again, that act of forgiveness uh, that he wants from his dad, which I kind of think sort of, Plays into some of the themes with Jack and Christian as well. There's definitely some themes there as well. But in, in contrast, uh, though,
1: because um, Jin obviously breaks down and says he's, you know, he says he's sorry, he says he's embarrassed, but his dad forgives him quite, quite quickly, and I think that that was quite a, a yeah. good thing. Um, just based on other father-son dynamics or father-daughter dynamics we've seen, but he actually actively encourages him because I think he mentions about going to America, like him and son, and he like encouraged him to do mm-hmm. it. He does, um, which was quite a nice end to that. To that you know this this uh, flashback. Yeah, because
0: because aren't they just kind of sat by the lake fishing as well, or the ocean, should I say? And they're just having a nice old yeah. chinwag, just a which is again up. is just yeah, it's lovely, really. You know, he's had his breakdown. He said he's sorry, and his dad's kind of like, I get it. They talk about the differences and his and son's differences, and wanting to start. I think he he says along the lines of he wants to start mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, his dad says, like and, you know, it's not it's not too late to do what he wants to do. And also, I think it it's um, it's given us the impression that Jin had forgotten who he was, and going back to his dad to his roots effectively has reminded him of his humble his humble mm-hmm. humble roots.
0: And yeah, and this kind of brings in the uh, obviously it it brings them into the fold of how they end up um, on eight one five. Because I think Son's dad's next job for he wants him to sell watches in Sydney, doesn't he? But also Los Angeles, which is obviously where they're they're flying to on eight one five. So that's your neat little segue into how we get to the island. Um, So yeah, those are your flashbacks. Really, really quite powerful. But like like John said, you know, fairly standard. But I just think the acting is what brings it to life. You know, in the hands of other people or maybe different characters, it wouldn't have been as effective. But yeah, I always look for. I I always look forward to Jin and yeah. son episodes.
1: Oh yes, I, I I agree. I agree with John. Um, I, I I think they're probably definitely the two best performers at the moment in in their in their own respective like episodes or their interaction mm-hmm. with each other. Um, I think yeah, they they have great chemistry and they're, yeah, they're fantastic actors.
0: And and that and I and I just feel kind of ashamed myself in a way that when I first watched this I just never really and it, it's not that I never liked them as characters, it's just that I never kind of really got got what the storyline was meant to be almost. I think that's just from a younger mindset. I never really understood the point, I never really got the romance side of it, but now that I'm much older, I just complete I'm just head over heels for it. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing.
2: Yeah, well, right. Cadarky.
0: So if we get to the on-island events, I've got it written down here. It's day 32. So we're over a month wow. into it, it was, wow. um, on the island. And this is begins with Sun wearing the bikini. So she's getting a bit more confident, obviously, within the culture, they're from, she has to cover up a bit. Uh, it's embarrassing. And I think we've seen aspects of it in Jin's personality before, haven't we? Where he's said, you know, you're, you're filthy, you're dirty, go have a wash. Uh, <laughs> th- those kind of things. I'm sure that's happened, hasn't it? Or am I just no, making no, I think, that up? I
1: think he has said once, yeah, once or twice at least.
0: Yeah, or when she's had like one button undone near her neck, he's like, Oh, pin that back up, you know, you're showing yeah. too much skin. Yeah. So you get you get that sense of where they're from and what they need to adhere to. Um and then Jin rushes up to cover her up, doesn't he, as the kind of arguing. Mm-hmm. Um and this is where our old mate Michael turns up, so I don't know if we're still in the frame of mind that he's a bit reformed as a character. We we like him maybe a bit more than we did previously, but he rushes to her aid. There's always been a bit of an interesting dynamic already between Michael and Son, um, and he threatens her, and then we get a little bit of a... Is this where we get a bit of a scrap? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. Because Son slaps him, doesn't she? yeah and everyone's a bit shocked by it (laughs) i love the look on everyone's face when it's like oh my god (laughs) she's just slapped michael
1: (laughs) yeah because clearly michael is uh he is attacking Jin, and he's kind of being more of the agitator um Hmm. so sun obviously to give nothing away she's um she hits michael so that Jin doesn't suspect anything that so she's completely one hundred percent on his side, and you know she's not going to fault mm. her in any way. So interesting, but I mean a slap. It, I mean, yeah, it was quite quite a harsh one as well.
0: Big it one. was, and I think it, it's actually quite good that it, it it links in with the flashbacks. In that I'm sure she explains to him that by slapping him, she saved him from a worse yeah. beating, mm-hmm. which obviously links it, which links into Jin's flashbacks. Yeah. So I thought. I sat there thinking, you bloody kind <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Even something as simple as that in the writer's room, get it right. Fantastic. little bit of cross connection. So whilst this is happening, I think we're into Shannon Watch. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I've got written down here. I best, best bring it up <laughs> now, lads. Let's Go get on. it over with. Let's, let's just get it over with. So Shannon and Saeed continue to flirt <laughs> whilst Michael's working on mm-hmm. his raft is all I've got written here. Um,
1: yeah, I've got something a bit more. Yeah, a bit, a bit more to that.
0: Yeah, go on. I'll let you take this one.
1: <laughs> okay, actually, if you got if you got more, you I might maybe got the same thing written down.
0: All I really got was that. So it's probably the only negative, part, well, mixed part of the episode, shall I say? Um, I, I actually kind of found it kind of funny. I don't know whether I did prior, but now I just laugh about it because I know we have to talk about <laughs> it now. Um, but it's kind of when Said. Is talking with Boone and he's he's more or less saying, I might be dating her. I don't quite know. But Boone, Boone's like, She's using you, dude. (laughs) And it just it it brought the it brought the episode from really good to like, oh god, we've got to do this storyline, haven't we? (laughs) Um and then Saeed says to Shannon, you know, it might not be a good idea that we date. And then she confronts you see, I'm doing it again, it's all 90210, it's ridiculous. Shannon like confronts Boone, and then he runs off to Locke because he's in love with Locke, basically. So I don't know if that's what you had to say, Scott. But...
1: No, I mean I had the bit about him going to Boone. He says, "He says it's very possible we're going to become more." Of <laughs> yeah. what, what 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 he means to say <laughs> yeah. is we're gonna fuck. <laughs> so here's your, here's your warning, dude. You know. um But in terms of Shannon directly. She is tying some knots, right? Nautical, okay. nautical knots, and so he says, "Oh, you're you're good at tying knots," and she said, "Yeah, because I've dated a lot of like fishermen." So that's her character development. It's basically, saying she fucks a lot of people <laughs> who <are> own boats. <laughs> so again, it doesn't anything. It's not saying anything about her person, about her personality, about who she is as a person. Just that she fucks loads of people <laughs> who have expensive yachts.
0: And and again, it just that now that we talk about it, it just makes I, Saeed's smarter than this. I mean, yeah. do you know what I mean? He, we, we we've 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 had this characterization of him. His flashback, I think we all agreed, was extremely strong. Um, at this point, he's one of the better characters in the show. He's got a, there's a lot of intrigue based around his character, and all of a sudden, he's kind of he's falling for this character which in another world in a parallel universe i'm sure is very well <laughs> written but it's just because she's so badly written that you just yeah, think, really it, it, i just don't... and it's not doing him it's not doing him no, any favors brings, at all it
2: brings him down like so much in my in my estimation <laughs> it's like especially in an episode like this where you have a, a believable and a likable couple as as the the center to just go to shannon and and Said like it turns Said into like an eight-year-old boy. It's like, no, Said, you you are better than this. You, you would know better. You, you wouldn't be having these types of conversations. Like, and I think Shannon uh, uh, Said would know yeah. if somebody was was using him. Like even if, whether Shannon is or isn't, you know, it is up for debate. But yeah, I think Said's smart enough to know without Boone letting him know.
0: This is it, and and yeah, you're right, it just it just brings that character down with him. And I think knowing what we know now in that, you know, they'd already kind of planned the demise of Boone, spoiler alert, sorry. But, you know, they'd already started to get an idea that the demise of Boone was incoming, but they knew it was going to be a bit later on. And yet they've still got this storyline that they've sort of got to fulfill. And I know we've got a lot of episodes where fair enough, there's the main character, there's the main characters within the flashbacks and they are the central focus of the island storyline. But they've still got to visit the rest of the characters, yeah. haven't they? And yet they seem to focus very much on the other characters that they focus on Yeah, is this. <laughs> and I, I maybe in 2004 it worked. I don't know at the time if anyone enjoyed it. I can't speak for those people if they did. But just re-watching it time and time again, it don't work. It didn't work at the time. It don't work <laughs> now. I'm sorry. The most frustrating thing about
1: this um, plot or this relationship is that even, even? It's not a case of episode to episode, like where Saeed is like the character that we love, you know, the the smart guy, the intense guy who was serving in 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 Iraq. But it's kind of like in within the episode, the same episode. So he do like the stupid googly eyes teen romance thing with Shannon, and then the next week he's talking to Jack about a battery and shit. It's just like it doesn't make sense. It's not really consistent within the episode it's so it's just muddled
0: it 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 feels like a head writer said right this is the storyline we've got to do and like people like Javier what's his face sorry I can't pronounce his last name apologies uh but you know like uh Jack Bender comes in and various people have come in and they've like right we've you know this is something we have to kind of write for but you can tell these people bless them they're not like romance writers. the The theme of this episode is 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 quite dark, and you know, very specific writers. I think it's something in lost favor, especially the writers, is that they they, they employ specific writers for a specific tone. Yes, is what I've always found in in this series. And fair enough, they miss the mark a couple of times, but you know, you know, when you get off doing time travel, it's going to work nine times out of ten, and. You know when you get Jack Bender in, you're going to get quite a thrill-seeking, swashbuckling episode of some description. You just know that. It's almost like when Greg Nicotero does an episode of Walking Dead, whether you watch that still or not, I do. But nine times out of ten, someone's going to die. It's just a fact. With this, I just feel like, and I don't blame the writers for this, but I just feel like it's something that's been shoehorned into their episode that they've kind of got to cater for. And it just brings it all down, really. It's just not... It just doesn't work. It's as simple as that. I mean, do, do do you get the feeling that at this point, I don't know if it's from a retrospective point of view, but do you get the feeling that the uh, the writers might have looked at Shannon and thought, maybe we've written a wrong at this point, but we need to keep going?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe like, um... Well, how you, I mean, in terms of the writing, the series, had they not prepped in terms of, uh, like, the, the, episode, the episodes were written before they went to, um... Before they went to series, or were they continually writing through the first series to cover those twenty five episodes? I think,
0: I think the initial chunk before they got the full series order were done. Oh, but course. once they got the, once they got the full the back nine, um, or however many they got, because obviously the finale is extended. But. I think after that, they kind of had an idea. They always have a series Bible, but they, generally speaking, they were writing on the on the go. I guess, it, 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 weirdly, even earlier episodes with Shannon, even though we don't like her, they were consistent with the character they'd introduced. So it's quite, even now, the character of Shannon is inconsistent with the character we had before.
1: <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Shannon's sunbathe for six episodes. <laughs>
0: this really it's really it odd. Do you know know what? It's off-putting. It's weird, because all we've known to do is be the Barbie doll who just sunbaves. But do you know what? We've talked about Shannon (laughs) enough now, I think. I guess the only thing was, there's one little bit towards the end of the episode that we'll just very quickly mention, but we'll get there when we get there. Let's go back to Jin, because that's more interesting. We've obviously had this little uh, domestic with Michael and son and Jin. There's always been a bit of a weird triangle. I don't know if you agree with them. Not necessarily like a love triangle, but there's clearly uh, that respect that Michael has respect for Sun. Sun definitely kind of likes Michael, not as a lover or anything, but just definitely as a friend, but she can't be his friend because Jin. Do you know what I mean? There's that dynamic going on. Mm -hmm. I think this is the episode where we start talking about how many people can fit on the raft and we get the uh, info that Michael can only fit four yes, on.
2: and Sawyer has, has and a lot
0: cl- And we, Yeah, and, and this is where Sawyer comes into play. So even though he's one of the other characters in the episode, he's much more interesting than Shannon and <laughs> Boone and Saeed, sadly, at this point. But I'm pretty sure Sawyer's, like, of the opinion that just because he's brought some building materials, that that gets him on the raft. <laughs> <laughs> just because he brought some trees, he's like, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> Which I think is very, very Sawyer. And I guess the focal point, really, of the on-island events is the Raft catches mm-hmm. fire. So this is where your drama comes into it. And because of the little spat that happened earlier that day, everyone blames Jin. And it doesn't help that they find him covered in burns, either. Yeah. Uh,
2: yes. Again, I think I mentioned before, in the, the, the previous uh, episode... Um, Oh, what was it called? House of the Rising Sun. Yes, the previous uh That's right. gin and sun episode. You know, it, it's it's a very good uh device that you know one of your characters doesn't speak or well, two but one really of your characters doesn't speak English um hmm. to to immediately heap suspicion on them because obviously they can't plead their case. Uh, in this case, of course, you know the all the evidence does point the gin you know out of uh, revenge or jealousy or whatever. Um, but I just like it, it's it's a little uncomfortable sometimes how quickly they would they would go to accuse Jin just yes. because he's he's I guess the other. Uh, it's it's perfect. I can see how it's perfectly reasonable, mm. but at the same time, it's it's a little. It's, but, it, but it works yeah. for the drama, you know. I mean, it, and, it absolutely does. Um,
0: it works. I I know what you're saying. It works for the drama. Um, it works in the context of the episode, but a bit of an outside-in perspective. I know, like Jin is. Is the minority, isn't he? However, you want to look at it, Um, and yeah, they're quite quick to believe that. Especially Michael, Mm -hmm. I guess, from Michael's perspective, you know, it's not like they've just the writers have just thrown it at you. There's definitely been that build-up of tension over the season so far. So I get what you're saying. You know, it definitely works within the drama. Mm -hmm. They kind of escape it a little bit because they've not just said, "Oh yeah," you know, it's the Korean guy who's done it. It's nothing like that. But I know what you mean. It does feel a bit uncomfortable at the same time.
2: But yeah, I mean, it is the, the um, language barrier is just a a really a really good way to get around it. Um, because yes. because obviously if somebody can't plead their case, you know, how are you going to believe them one way or the other? Um and then I guess that, that brings us to the yeah. to the, uh, the revelation to all the other castaways that Son obviously does speak English, um, which is, which is yes, such yes, a good that, scene. Again, I'm going to talk about the acting, but it's it was yeah. it was just brilliant. Like just the the scream, and I, I just I just really really like her as an actress. Um, and I'd forgotten how good She's Son was. Um, but that that scene is just yeah. is is excellent again, and it's a really fun.
0: Are we going to say even now on a rewatch? Even now on a rewatch, there's so many moments where even though I know what's about to mm. happen. I mean you can say this about so many things, but it really just you just think, fuck yes, yeah. that is so yeah. good. <laughs> you just kinda want to fist pump in the air and go, Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. It's such a good moment. Because it's is that's kind of that's the moment, isn't it, where I mean Michael's beating Jin to a crisp basically. He's beating the hell yeah. out of it. Oh yeah, everybody
2: gathers around I mean, for got... like for like fight yeah. club or yeah. something. That's really it's really weird. <laughs>
0: Don't you think it's such a clever way to? It's not. It's not just the twist that she can speak English. It's the fact that they've found a very, uh, what's the word? They've found a very reasonable way to gather everyone together. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: That 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 isn't even that isn't even the focal point of that scene. The scene is Michael is beating Jin up because he burnt mm-hmm. the raft, or so he thinks. Mm-hmm. And then it's that beautiful thing of actually, this isn't the point of the scene. This is the point of the scene. You know, mic drop kind of moment, and I just thought that was such a clever way to do it. You know, everyone's there, and she screams out, and I think it's 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 the reaction of everyone that's phenomenal, especially Daniel Day Kim as Jin. You know, he's just kind of like what, (laughs) yeah, Uh,
2: yeah, like it's it's a massive sort of game changer, I guess. Yeah, but like it's it's fairly, yes, it's still quite small, um, I guess, in in within the rest of the scope of the series, but for for the two characters that this episode revolves around it's it has huge ramifications it has huge uh it's, it's a huge yeah. effect on everything we i guess we know about the relationship anyway or at least that, that Jin feels about the relationship uh, which again is, is what leads into yeah <laughs> i seem like I always say this and it's, it's the case with loss but you know it feeds into how the rest of the series progresses because by the end of this episode Jin uh, sort of leaves the caves le- essentially leaves some yeah um But yeah it's like a massive massive game changer for for this point of the series
0: it's a very human moment i think um it's what lost excels at i think is despite all the timey-wimey to quote a bit of doctor who there but timey-wimey sci-fi stuff and all the batshit insanity that comes after this at the end of the day it's all about the characters and they excel at little moments like this like you say. it's not a big deal in a way, but it is. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and on the back of that, she explains to Michael that, you know, he didn't burn the raft. And the reason he's got, I think it's his hands that are burned. He was trying to put out the yeah. fire. He was actually yeah. trying to help. Uh, and th- I think this episode plays a lot with juxtaposition because you've got this idea in the flashbacks that Jin, you, you know, he's not a bad man but he's he's playing the bad guy because he's he just wants to be with son but in order to get that he needs to appease her dad um and i guess he kind of plays that role a little bit in these early episodes you know and he i guess he doesn't help himself because he does come across as very stubborn quite stern ready for a fight but really he's just i guess he's very insecure isn't he because he doesn't understand these people and he does feel lonely and he, he does have a lot of guilt about his past and when you start putting all these things together, it really makes his character so strong. I mm-hmm. think. Um, but you know, the notes I've got here just a bit after that is, you know, we we start getting ideas of who did burn the raft. I think Locke. Um,
2: yeah, Locke uh, he, suggests. Yeah, he that, sort of. Sorry, no, no, sorry uh, He he sort of interrupts the the argument. You know, everybody sort of had a stalemate. Mm-hmm. Inter- or, uh, can't even talk. Yeah. Interrupts the argument. He's like, "All right, everybody, stop playing silly buggers." There's other people on the island. It was probably one of them. And I quite like that. Um, nobody, nobody like agrees that Jin didn't do it. The like, they all just sort of, yeah. you know, as Locke says, you know, there's there's more, there's bigger things to be concerned about. And I quite like that because it's, it's you know, it, it still maintains that element of, of mistrust between everybody, um, which it's obviously yeah. far better that that still exists and has to be rebuilt between the characters than just somebody saying, Oh no, it was the others. Let's forgive everybody. Um, mm. I, I just quite I, I quite enjoyed that Jin isn't automatically innocent uh, because, because Locke mm-hmm. has spoken up. And then obviously Locke um, has his little talk with Walt.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. And I, 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 at least Locke gets his little moment. I know we've said this is the chunk of episodes where he's not really in it, but every time he is, mm-hmm. he has something to mm-hmm. say. He does make a case for again, obviously being one of the, if not the best character on the show, just by what he says. <laughs> um, I think my favorite bit is is this next bit though. Um, just again from a very human perspective, you know, son. I mean, Michael's decided to make a new raft. You know, yeah. bygones be bygones. <laughs> he's making a new raft. He's getting off the island, uh, and son. Goes to speak to Jin, and it, it's the fact that she says it all oh, in English to him so, that she oh, it's says. So good. <laughs> yes, are we all in agreement here? Where she says, "I was gonna yes. leave you," and she knows he doesn't know what she's saying. It's
2: brilliant, and, it, and for
0: some <laughs> reason, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Yeah, and she said, but she says, she, you know, he changed her mind about leaving. And then she goes back to Korean and says, you know, we can start over. And then he's like, no, and just walks off. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it, it was absolutely fantastic. Like, all the things that that she can't say to him, you know, in, in Korean, in her own language, that she just she just blurts him out in English, knowing that he can't understand, and then says that last line. It's just, yeah, uh, it was, yeah. Oh, it's so good.
0: In the strangest way, like, it, it's both not selfish and selfish because <laughs> – she she she's kind of ridding herself of guilt but she's still feeling guilty isn't she mm-hmm. yeah that's really what it is and it, oh, it's so it's so well really? done yeah. i've got i've got i just can't express how much i love this episode <laughs> for those little moments it's it's kind of it's like it's just
1: that, you know that thing when like um people pass away it's, it happens a lot in film and tv when people pass away and then people will ring their phone and leave a voicemail on it they'll never hear it but they just they need to just do it mm-hmm. They just get it out. It kind of reminded me of that sort of trope where you know they're never gonna they're never gonna be able to understand or hear what they how they Mm feel, but they just do it anyway. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's that way of cleansing yourself a bit, and I guess it, it feeds into what John was saying earlier. You know, this is about a kind of a battle for the soul of Jin. In the in the flashbacks, you're at a point now where. Not only does Jin have a secret, but we know Sun's had a secret, and this is sort of her way of dealing with it. But it's just—it's just the context of what she had to say to him. Just, oh, fantastic! <laughs> it,
1: it's also—it—it just—it also feeds into this whole um, conservative way of life that they had in Korea, or at least where where they were from in Korea. About how much of a betrayal it is to not to not tell someone you speak another language, and you communicate to other people about you knowing what they're saying. That's, it seems very messed because his reaction is, No, we're done. Like we're done. That's yeah. like, quite that's quite an extreme thing. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't even know I don't know how long like, it takes them to reconcile, but I guess it must go for like a few episodes where they're very distant and
0: Yeah. Um it, it, it's so- it. it's it's something that kinda of more or less continues to the moment he gets on the raft, really. Oh, in God, the finale.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot he yeah, I forgot about it completely but yes, yeah so cuz he him and michael start to become a bit more um um
0: chummy <laughs>
1: yeah like he says you know well he doesn't say but he he says he will help and um, and they start to become a bit more uh, tolerant of each other mm. um, yeah i
0: mean we'll, we'll get into it but just whilst you're mentioning that there's a, i think they develop a wonderful dynamic where even though Jin is still speaking in korean michael understands what he's trying to say <laughs> so when others are like what's he saying he's like he just wants you to put that down there <laughs> <laughs> you know there's just there's just a wonderful comedic dynamic that they end up having but yeah
1: I, I, it's just like a completely random side note about about Jin and his um, dynamic of the characters but the, there's been a few episodes where there's been this interaction with him and Hurley and I love I love them two together
0: <laughs> Yes. i think
1: they had this, this thing with the thing with the catching the fish and they had this yeah. thing with carrying the was it carrying the bamboo or was that someone else?
0: Uh, I think that was, oh, I don't know. I definitely know that. Do you mean the fish when Hurley gets stung? Oh, yeah. Is that he the jellyfish? You,
1: you got a pee on me, yeah.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't understand. <laughs> no.
1: And like, Jim's playing golf and he's like whacking up some of the dirt clods. And so yeah. he's like, come on, he just needs to chill out a bit. And, <laughs> and it's it's weird because Jin's reaction is kind of like suggesting that he he, just from the tone of what Huddy he, from he sounding, he kind of knows what he's trying to do. He's trying to like to say to him, dude, you know, bigger problems at play. Just you know, just chill your boots yeah. a bit. I, there was yeah. uh, just on the the language barrier again. Um, I think if memory
2: serves, uh, Sawyer because he calls everybody nicknames. Uh, just he mentions he calls um, oh, Jim <laughs> at some yeah, point when he's on when they're they're all on the raft. He calls him Chewy. So, does it look like the Han and Chewie relationship between Michael and Jin? Because, you know.
0: Yes. <laughs> only, only Han can understand Chewbacca. I've got it so. written down in this. Episode. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. I've got in this episode, actually, Sawyer actually, I don't know how O oh, oh, Faye this isn't, I guess, but he actually he calls Jin Bruce, and I'm assuming yes. that means Bruce Lee. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, and he calls God. he calls son Betty. I'm not sure if that's meant to be like Betty White or whoever, but he he calls yeah he definitely calls Jim Bruce. Oh, dear. <laughs> Betty definitely. at one point, uh which I had to laugh at. I, I mean, I don't know how, how good it it's is to for for oh yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, he's been calling Sayid like for a couple of episodes. That's yeah, I was about to say Yeah, that, yeah. it's like would that would <laughs> that fly today <laughs> in twenty twenty, would you
0: be allowed to do that? I don't know. It's that it's one of the only family guy things I'll only laugh at, but it's you know when the character goes, Ah like, <laughs> you know. Or the I always I always think of that when I see something from back in the day and I think, Ooh, <laughs> I don't know if that'd work yeah. now. You know, but you just think context, context, context. (laughs) It's in its context, in its time. It's, it was okay. You know, you've got to accept that. (laughs) So really, I think the final part of this episode, and I know we've gushed about it for nearly an hour now, uh, because it is great. The final part really is kind of a bit of a full circle moment where Sun goes back to the beach in a bathing suit. But I guess it's a complete different context. You know, she, Mm. she's free. She's free of the guilt of, you know, Hiding this secret of knowing English and how she feels about her husband, but you know she's lonely at the same time. I thought it was a little... so. She knows that Jin's not going to. Sorry, no. Go
2: I just I thought it was a little strange um because that that last scene it does seem like she's she's very relieved. Where in her previous scene she was she was mm. gutted. Um, but like I, I obviously like I understand. You know there is a an element of of relief, I would imagine. You know, she doesn't have to be yeah the she doesn't have to put on the, the facade anymore. Um, I just thought it was quite strange because it seemed like mm. she was like, Oh I can I'm so glad I'm rid of him. But at the same time well I mean yeah. that's I guess that's just life. But you know uh it just Yeah as a as a symbolic uh representation of it. Yeah it it's it's very good.
1: It was very uh it very is, effective. I've got I'm just on Ostapedia now. <laughs> and there's a page for Sawyer nicknames. So I'm just gonna give a couple <laughs> that he gives to Jin. Um, oh God. So we got Chewie, obviously, and, yep. and Bruce, Bruce Lee. Uh, there's also Mr. Miyagi from White Ramon. Oh Ramp. god. Um and um there's Sulu. Oh god. <laughs> you know?
0: I don't um, know what's worse. <laughs>
1: um and oh, but dear. um son, uh, Betty is actually a reference to Betty Rubble, apparently.
0: Oh okay. Oh, okay. Um,
1: but i don't remember betty rubble being a kind of oppressed downtrodden person she was normally the dominant one in a relationship
0: was that fred flintstone's wife
1: no betty was barney rubble's wife
0: oh barney rubble yeah oh god yeah she was definitely like the 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 pants in that relationship (laughs) so to speak
1: (laughs) there's also tokyo rose which is in another episode which is a reference to um it was a name given to Allied troops in the South Pacific during the Second World hmm. War. Um, they like female um, broadcasters um, of Japanese propaganda. So, yeah. So it doesn't matter where they're from. It's just if it's Asian, that's it. that's yeah. what I'm going to give yeah. you.
0: There's always one that I remember. I, I might, I'm jumping way ahead. I can't remember what season it is, but um, it might be three, might be four, and I'm sure we'll pick it out when we see it. But I'm sure... Sawyer refers to either Jin or as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and yeah. I'll never forget it. <laughs>
1: oh dear. That um, is in season three,
0: that is. Is it season three? Yeah. I, I just distinctly remember even at the time thinking, can they say that? Are, are they allowed to do that? Anyway, that's it's a character. By- it's I, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Saeed's uh, not Saeed, Sawyer. I mean, I bet that that nickname page is just full of Sawyer. <laughs> yeah, basically.
1: there's loads. There's loads. It's uh, I mean.
0: I can you imagine, as a writer, how do you go through all of those? I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to remember half of the stuff. I know he always refers to like Danielle as like the French chick or something like that, but there's just so, loads of names.
1: sides are the worst, though. I mean, you couldn't do it now. There's okay, terrorist Mohammed Omar Abdul oh Damn Arab Captain oh Arab Red Beret. <laughs>
0: so basically just all the racial stereotypes
1: yeah
2: yeah i guess okay let's say yeah sorry just just to to keep going the nicknames i guess you can get away with it with sawyer because that's the type of character he is you know uh yes i I can't imagine any of those are from say seasons four five and six those are all those are probably all like season one uh when when he's early yeah, yeah. yeah when he's when he's the the sort of the jerk of the island um you know when he get yeah
0: i know pathetic. what you're saying because it's not like it's not like jack's suddenly going <laughs> to turn around and say to say "All right, Abdul," yeah, is it you yeah. know yeah yeah it's very within his character as as difficult as it may yeah. be it's very within his character and i guess it could be worse oh wow that was a bit it could be worse but that was an interesting segue <laughs> so to just, to just wrap up things that was uh the, the very final bit of in translation mm-hmm. Is uh obviously Sun at the ocean, she's a free woman, but she's lonely, I guess. Um Jin is helping Michael build the new raft. Mm-hmm. And um one one little note that I've got because I really like this song. Um Hurley is listening to his Walkman, I think. He's got a CD player mm-hmm. almost. Uh, he's listening to Delicate by Damien yeah, Rice yeah. and the song cuts out midway because his batteries die. And that is probably the most heartbreaking moment <sighs> for me because I adore I adore music and there's nothing worse than <laughs> when your iPod or your or your phone battery dies and you're listening to a track. Yeah, I
2: thought that was an interesting and choice because I hadn't heard that maybe like in 10 years. That
0: song, uh, it's a great song. Yeah, it is a great I, song. A, I thought
1: it was great, particularly um, the song's great. I love, I love a bit of Damien Rice. but um, Yeah. The, it was a nice stinger to lead into the next episode because Absolutely. they've not they've not really done anything like that. It's been very much just like close up on the character and mm-hmm. they make this serious face oh, or whatever. Dear. But this was like mm-hmm. a bit of a bit of a comedy element on it. Yep. Um. And obviously because the CD player cuts out, it's like ah. Oh, so we're gonna find out. I you know, we find out more in the next episode about that. I was gonna
0: say, I think this is when they start to change how the episodes end a little bit, and you just said basically what I was gonna say. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's such a clever way to do it. Um so we'll we'll close the chapter there on in translation. I think an episode that we all agree is fantastic. Yeah. It might be a bit generic, but the way it's done and the way it's acted is fantastic. Yeah. We've had Shannon watch, so we've got past <laughs> that, thank God. Um, <laughs> for another episode, at least I can't remember. In my, I'll have to check my notes if they're in the next one. But we'll get to that. Uh, in did minute. we? Sorry, uh,
2: just a. Couple sorry, just, just before sorry, I, I forget. Um, did we mention that Walt um, burned the raft? Did we say that?
0: We didn't. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, how could I forget? Sorry, just, I got so wrapped. we got so wrapped up in talking about Sawyer's nicknames <laughs> that I just forgot another twist of the episode.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, John and oh, and Walt are playing yeah. backgammon again. I believe. And uh, John, yes, John, sort of, uh, right, yep. John, um, the, the confession out of him that he uh, that he burned the raft. But I mean, that's pretty much it. Walt just says that he, he doesn't want to he doesn't want yeah. to move about anymore. Um, I just thought it was interesting because it was like pre- I wonder does that kind of sort of tie into the fact that Walt is special and he's wanted by the island. But I can't really remember the ends and outs of mm. all that stuff. So, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting.
0: I'm pretty sure. Locke says he knows anyway, doesn't he? It's more. Yeah. I think Walt. Walt kind of willingly tells him, doesn't yeah. he? In the end, yeah. But yeah, it's it's it plays into that thing we've discussed in previous weeks, where you know, it probably was a missed opportunity in terms of Walt. He clearly he clearly killed his mum. Let's be honest. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> the little shit. <laughs> um. But yeah, sorry to anyone listening. That went a bit haywire. That's my fault. But yes, Walt burnt the raft. So. um <laughs> Just a couple of production notes, really. There's not an awful lot here. So, in terms of the general reception of the episode, I was quite surprised to find that it was quite mixed um, on initial review. Obviously, IGN criticized it. And if you've listened to us prior, you'll know that we have a bit of a disdain for IGN. Of course, they criticized the episode. The main reasoning was that it didn't advance the series narrative. So, I'll flip the bird at you, IGN. I'm sorry, but you're talking out All your right. ass.
1: I don't agree with that. Yeah.
0: No. I'd completely disagree. Um, one positive review and something I do agree with though, is that um, in translation was obviously a very good companion piece to House of the Rising Sun. It recontextualized that uh, the Jin and Sun uh, relationship. Uh, it gave you the flash, it, it contextualized both sets of flashbacks. Obviously they tie together very neatly. Um, so it's obviously something that's been planned out. And, you know, in terms of storytelling, It's top-tier loss for me, so bullshit to the reviews on that one. I'm sorry, you're wrong. (laughs) It's a great episode. With that, we will move on to episode 18, which is entitled Numbers, and this is uh, a Hugo Reyes episode, Mr. Hurley. So before we get into it, I'll hand over to Scott and then John, I won't forget this time, (laughs) uh, for some... well, some birthdays, and I believe we've got a very special hip hop artist.
1: We've got air date of March 2nd, 2005. Uh, This had a slight drop of about half a million. So 18.85 million on this week. This was directed by Dan Atlas. uh, Sorry, Dan Atayas or Dan Atayas. Sorry, my glasses. Um, And written by Brent Fletcher and David Fury is uh, my Pet Snake Reggie guy. the uh but birthdays I'll, I'll leave it to last okay a bit of trivia uh king kong premiered on this date in 1933 in new york city which I thought was quite interesting yeah um uh and, okay so birthdays we've got continuing segment i think we can we can call it it's I guess the hip-hop artist's birthday <laughs> so we've got method method man previously of or currently of wu-tang clan i think he's i think it back together now um, yes, H- Harold is Harold is Method Man
0: Right, so just for context we've had Snoop Dogg who's not even 50 yet and Ice-T Ice-T was 62 was he?
1: I think you're spot on yeah, I've not got my notes in it but right. I think it is like early 60 okay.
0: <laughs> so, so we've started low, we've gone high so is it higher or lower than Ice-T? <laughs> 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 uh, Method Man, Method Man uh, Lower right. than Ice-T Okay Um I'm just trying to think cuz Wu-Tang have been around for quite a while. Um uh, 54 rough guess. Oh, I was going to call something like 45. Okay. Oh, he's kind
1: of bit, kind of very young. Okay, so but He's younger than Snoop.
0: Okay, young. okay, okay.
1: He, I okay. think well uh, no, he's not actually he's older than Snoop. Okay, uh, okay. But he's younger than um, Ice-T. <laughs> see. yeah. Okay, so we got Okay, so we got I said 40. 54. Fifty-four, and John went forty-five. But I've ruined it already by saying he's older than. Okay. <laughs> so he's, he's forty-nine. He's forty-nine this year. Oh, okay. I
0: well, think John gets, yeah. John gets that. John gets that. Forty-nine. Well done. That's mad. Wow, he's quite young then. He's How very long... young
1: still. Yeah, yeah. And also, I, went... I, I think he's actually. I heard him on a podcast. He there was his, this Marvel podcast he was on. He plays. Um, <laughs> okay. It plays Ben Urich on a podcast. Oh, right. I don't know if you, have you heard that Wolverine podcast, which was out a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, I've um, uh, Listen to some of it. It's uh, Richard Armouridge's Wolverine. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they they continued it and did a, they did a second series, but now there's this Fantastic Four-centric one. Oh, okay. And you've got, um, I can't remember, his, uh, the guy who plays Spock in the Star Trek, what's the new series called? Oh,
0: Oh, um, uh, Discovery.
1: Yeah, the guy who plays Spock uh, in that. He's
0: called Ethan Somebody. Uh, oh, Ethan... Ethan Peck.
1: He's Gregory Peck's That's grandson. It. Yeah, so That's he's it. in it as Mr. Fantastic. And there's a few other people in it who i recognised. recognize. But yeah, Method Man is. I'm pretty sure he's Method Man. He plays Ben Urich, who is the uh, journalist for the oh, okay. uh, Daily Bugle, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Or a newspaper yeah. story.
0: I'm just having a quick look now, at, obviously at Wu Tang Clan. I've got a, I've got him <laughs> now because I'm blown away by that statistic. So, they formed in 1992. So, I mean, they've been around a while, and they must have been so young because obviously is R- in there as well, isn't he? And looking at it, he's only, uh, he's only fifty. So, man, they've been around for yeah. some time. And there they're some there. young young chaps.
1: Well, they normally get started a lot. I mean, even like rappers and hip-hop artists these days, they get started really early, don't they? Because they start MCing the yeah. stuff at like 18. So they can get into a club, they're MCing and they're on record deal by the time they're like 19, 20. So they're, they're the height for their career is like in their early 20s, pretty much.
0: I mean, it's always interesting. I mean, just whilst we're talking about it, I know we've gone on a segue of hip-hop here, but I always find it amazing about how old Ice Cube is, and I don't want to ruin it slightly in case you're going to have to, you know, you get to use it later on. But that's always interesting to me as well. But
1: he's super old, isn't he? He's super, he's super old. old. Yeah. Do, and you, he... do you remember when he got jacked Like, in, like after he after like, released The Chronic, and he just got yeah. super jacked? <laughs>
0: i just hey, love ice cube around
1: anymore
0: i just love i love nwa i love i love him in films i just i think the pinnacle of ice cube is jump street i don't know I'm why i think dre, that. sorry
1: i've got dre mixed up with cube that's not good <laughs> i've announced you know... my hip hop knowledge
0: <laughs> yeah cubes uh dre's not in jump street
1: no he's not definitely not <laughs>
0: I just always—I th- know everyone goes to like Korean Jesus as the funniest bit. <laughs> it's definitely up there for, for one of the funniest bits. But I just think it's in in the sequel where he's he realizes that Jonah Hill's going out with his daughter. And yeah, that's
1: the best scene ever.
0: It's that when he goes nice. up to he goes up to get his food, and obviously <laughs> Latifah's is his wife, and she's like, "Oh, he's just had, he's having a lot of problems at work." He's like, "Give me them motherfucking green beans. <laughs> <laughs> what are y'all rationing or some shit?" <laughs> he's like i like my chicken i'm gonna take this all. <laughs> i love cube so much he's fantastic i to watch that again <laughs> oh i i watch it like every year i just i think Tate tatum and jonah hill are great together but ice cube makes it he's phenomenal right <laughs> So let's, thank you for that, Scott. Have you got any more, or is it no, just... No,
1: sorry, no, that was it. I just wanted to just throw that little uh, continuing thing we've got going on with the hip-hop I, I like
0: earlier. that, guest hip-hop ice. I hope we have some more going further down the line, because that's a good little segment. <laughs> so we've had, we've had Method Man, we've had Ice-T, and we've had Snoop Doggy Dog, so I wonder who we could get next. <laughs> um, I'll move over to now, John. Uh, any guest stars, then?
2: Uh, yes, there, there is one guest star. I, I, I thought this would be the... The most uh the, the best guest started it's somebody we have seen before um but we just we haven't mentioned her it's the the actress that plays Russo, um who is Mira or Myra I'm not sure Furlan um, who's an actress I've I've always thought was in quite a lot of stuff but it just seems that um she's only in one particular thing that I remember uh, and she was a character in pretty much all of Babylon Five all right yeah wow. um I used to, like I I remember watching that show with my dad. And I was way too young to watch it because I had no clue what was going on. It was like, it was like watching, it was like me as what 10, 11, 12 watching Battlestar Galactica. You know, it's it's way above my my uh, capabilities at that age. <laughs> but I just remembered there was aliens in it and it was fun. Um, but she played, she was on Babylon Five and she played Ambassador Delenn. But um, she's again, she's one of those actresses. Ah. Um, she was in all of Babylon Five and is a pretty prominent character in Lost. And then. Didn't really do anything of note uh, since, you know, at least in the, the English speaking world. Um, just one of those ones that kind of had her time and then, then disappeared again. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think she's fantastic and lost. And from what I remember of Babylon, she's great oh, in yeah. that
0: too. I mean, I've just had a quick look. Uh, she's Croatian. I didn't realize that. I mean, she pulls off the French accent mm-hmm. very, very good, yeah. frankly. <laughs> I did not have a clue. So yeah, that's cool. Ah, wicked. I mean, I agree. I love Daniel Russo. Yeah. She's she's a great character in the show and uh, definitely up there with the best recurring characters that we've got, mm-hmm. which we will get into. So thank you, chaps. We'll dive now into episode 18, Numbers. So this is uh, Hurley, centred around Hurley. Um, and as I've already said, if you've listened to us before, we love Hurley. But this is a very big episode in terms of mythology, especially. Mm-hmm. Um Starting with the flashbacks, so simply put, Hurley wins the lottery, um, and I think over the ensuing weeks we start to get a feel that even though he's won the lottery, everything that happens is bad luck. I always quite like this opening scene actually because if I'm right, he's eating a bucket of fried chicken, isn't he? and he's got his he's got his ticket. Um, yes. Is that yes, right? Yes. Or am I thinking of another No, no that's this episode. In his yeah, he's eating his. Yeah, is he's is he eating his fried chicken. His mum's like, why don't you do anything with your life? And then he gets all the numbers and he faints. <laughs> and that's your start of your episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> which I always find really funny. Um, I, I just think um, Jorge Garcia is a wonderful actor. He's, he, he really brings that loving quality to Hurley. And, to, and he always makes other scenes better, even if he's not the focal point of it. He always... Adds something to it, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, um, and it, it's, I, I thought it was a bit of a shame um, this episode because I think Hurley, uh, Jorge Garcia is is very very good, but this episode, like everything that happens to Hurley, is quite tragic. And everything that plays out in the episode, yeah, it seems like it, it's going for the like I know Hurley's kind of the the comic relief, but his flashback story is is horrible um and it plays it for laughs almost and uh, it didn't sit right with me
0: Mm. okay that's interesting i think we've had that before haven't we i can't remember what character i'm sure we've discussed a flashback that just felt a bit unnecessarily dark (laughs) but um yeah so if we if we go through in order then really what happens so um he's he's on the news announcing you know he's won the millions and he's his grandfather dies of a heart Mm -hmm. attack um and then see scott's laughing now i,
2: I agree that it, it is like it is funny the, the episode is successful at making it yeah. seem funny um but i just the, the i know previous, what you mean um uh, the, 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 the disconnect between you know this these are really bad things that are happening to Harley and the episode. yeah i mean, the episode I, mean plays I have to i have to like like comedy sort of uh the, the comedy yeah. score in the background is like boom boom
1: boom, boom yeah
0: boom yeah it's like a jovial thing isn't it it's weird the next one i have to admit made me laugh because it just felt so ridiculous but the priest officiating (laughs) the burial of his grandfather gets struck by lightning (laughs) (laughs) which just you know in a a fantastical world that just seems ridiculous but you know i had to giggle at that but we don't see it
1: which is i would have
0: now i know (laughs) i know he's like (laughs) you know officiating a a funeral procession yeah I'd, yeah, but I did have to giggle it that way. They're just like, yeah, you got struck by lightning. I thought, what? <laughs> um, I think his... His, uh, sister-in-law his sister-in-law leaves his brother. Leaves his brother yeah, um, For another woman. <laughs> for another woman, yeah, which again, I had to laugh at. Um, his mom breaks her ankle whilst looking at the house that he's bought her sets on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then directly... After that, or whilst that's happening, he gets arrested, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's literally one thing after another for Hurley. Um,
1: but he seems pretty like a piece of it because he's. I think he like he's he's got his like, head down or not. Like, the bonnet of the car, is like his yellow Hummer, and he's yeah. like, "See, Mum, I'm telling you." <laughs> He's
0: not like, struggling. He's just oh, it's just how it is. I'm just used to did it. Did anyone else just while we're talking about his hummer? Did anyone else think it reminded you of the car in Kill Bill? Which I've forgotten what Tarantino called it now. I love Kill Bill. I, I don't and I can't... the car in, in the film. Sorry, oh, I've seen it for is... a long time. Hold on a second. I need to check. It, it's called like the Pussy something or other. Yeah, uh, but all I could think was this was shot like a year and a half, two years after Kill Bill. <laughs> is that a reference? <laughs> wouldn't surprise yeah. me but uh... wouldn't surprise me oh it's, uh, he called it the pussy wagon there you go <laughs> that's tarantino through and through um, <laughs> but yeah he basically um the bride drives a yellow hummer or she steals a yellow hummer and it's called the pussy wagon <laughs> and oh. bit of trivia for you tarantino actually has that car so again oh, very Tarantino of course he does <laughs> of course I I
1: maybe is. the was <laughs> <driving>.
0: <laughs> yeah by him <laughs> It's <laughs> probably, probably like his Rolls Royce that he he never brings out or something. Yeah, he's got, this is the footmobile. <laughs> That's
1: his casting um, couch. It.
0: Oh God! Don't make me think more ill of Tarantino. I love the man through his films. I'm trying to forget that he has a weird fetish for <laughs> feet. All right. Um, so yeah, we've got all these recurring things. All these bad, this bad look that happens to Hurley, um, and. Then we get a bit of um, we we'll get a side story, I guess. Of he visits the asil- an asylum where it's implied he stayed for a bit, and at this point you don't know why.
2: Yeah, I think that, he yeah. talks to another. Sorry, sorry. I, I, Like I remember that from from later in the series that he was uh, institutionalized, but I don't think the episode really mm. like it doesn't linger on it. Uh, no, it he, he he like recognizes the doctor, or the doctor recognizes him quite quickly. But I, I, like, I think it's only because I have that that knowledge already. I don't think I would have picked up on the fact that um, that Hurley was actual hmm. an actual patient. Um, I remember earlier in the episode, whenever he's talking to the press, he said like, "I've put my family through a hard time recently," or something. I like got so if you put the two and two together, I guess you could work that out. But I don't think watching this on on first watch, you would have necessarily picked up on that. Unless people are much smarter than I am, no. it's probably
0: are. <laughs> no, I agree. I think it's more of an implication because he he knows it's uh, uh, Leonard Leonard, isn't it the the patient uh-huh. who he's seeing, and he's the he's the chap who he keeps muttering the numbers, doesn't he? Yes. Um, which obviously then Hurley says, you know, he used them to win the lottery. Um, and then he goes a bit crazy, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> and yes. he starts saying, I guess one of the famous quotes of the series is the numbers are bad. He starts yelling that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because Hurley, Hurley comes to that conclusion as well. You know, he he assumed it was the money, but then he, he actually, it's like, oh no, wait, it's the numbers, not not
1: the money. There's a there's a great line that uh, old Lenny delivers. Lenny, the numbers guy I'm calling him. <laughs> um, he says, oh, you've opened the box. I thought, that's a gr- that's a great, it's a great little, uh, well, you know, Pandora's box, isn't it? Basically, mm-hmm. and then he obviously tells him who told him about the numbers. It was Sam Toomey
0: in mm-hmm. Australia,
1: mm-hmm. and obviously that leads into the his little trip to Australia.
0: Yeah, so you've got you've got that context there as well.
1: Yeah. And then, then you have um... this actress who,
2: uh, up until now, I <laughs> <think> <laughs> has oh. the absolute worst Australian accent I've heard in a long, long
0: yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I- I've got that written down. I'll let you guys take this one, if you want. <laughs> it was just like,
2: oh, that is really bad.
0: Yeah, it was a bad accent. It's plain and simple. It's the same thing with, you know, Manchester via Honolulu, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, you you occasionally get the, the ropey accents in these shows. I think it adds to it in a weird way. I don't know. Like, I just kind of have a bit of fun with it. Now.
1: Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, um, it is a bit off-putting, but I think, um, we'll call Mrs. Tony, if so I can't remember her name, but she does have some really interesting um, bits of dialogue, you know, in terms of the history of the numbers and um, mm-hmm. her advice to Hugo. Um, I think she said something like she, her husband was stationed in the Pacific with um, Lenny, the numbers guy, and they heard the mm-hmm. transmissions, the numbers repeating, mm-hmm. and then yep. he, how did they utilize the numbers afterwards?
0: So what I've got written down here is, uh, first of all, I've got that She's called Martha. So Bruce and Clark's mom. Uh, Why did you say a, that name? Sorry. Say that name. Um, but yeah, she's called Martha. Um, they, was, they served together, as you say, I think it was in the Navy, and they were at a yeah. listening post where they were monitoring like radio transmission. And I think it's meant to suggest that it coincides with the time that Russo would have been on the island uh and they just picked up a voice saying those numbers there's no particular context of where the numbers are coming from okay. but there's just a voice on the other end of the line basically saying the numbers over and over again and they use those numbers to win i think a uh, like a guessing game at uh, like a fair of of some description oh,
1: yes yeah it's like guess the amount of like That's sweets it. in the yeah, jar or yeah, something yeah. like that Sorry. yeah
0: and then after that to to me experience like loads of bad luck and then he kills himself, I think, doesn't yeah,
1: he? That's right. Yeah, it's Kurt Cobain
0: style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Making, lot, making lot of death. There we yeah. go. I, I, Courtney yeah. did <laughs> it. Sorry, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut that bit out. Um, but yeah, like um, that, that scene ends with uh, like t- that yeah. She
2: she doesn't believe that the numbers are cursed. You know, she she sort of sets uh, maybe makes Hurley a bit more confident in the fact um, that. It's not the numbers that are doing this, you know. She's, I think she said something like, We make our own luck, or something like that. Um, which, which
0: that's right, is yeah, where, you make your own, yeah,
2: it was where the, the flashback ends. So,
0: so again, unlike the last few episodes, there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of on island stuff to be fair, and these flashbacks are limited to maybe three at a maximum throughout the episode, but there's an awful lot of info dump here. Um, I think we can safely say that you know. We know that the the numbers going forward play an incredibly vital part in the series. Um, I think you know the implication that um, Lenny and uh, Toomey were clearly close to the island. Perhaps at the time Russo was there is quite an interesting tidbit. It's, it, I must admit, it's only on this rewatch that I realized that <laughs> I never really picked up on when, you know, when they, they say it just off, off the cuff, oh, yeah, he's in a listening post in the Pacific. And you think, oh, yeah, fine, fine. And you're like, oh, shit, they're in the Pacific. <laughs> um, it's just one of those two and two together things that I did. And I thought, oh, wow, that's really clever. Um, but yeah, you know, there's the idea of look whether it's good or bad. That's very much a focal point of Hurley's character. So you're getting an awful lot in these flashbacks, but ultimately we know how he got to be in Australia. Um, and that can bring us on to the Island events. Um, and again, quite an awful lot happens from uh, my notes here. So way back in, I think it's solitary when Saeed got kidnapped uh, by Russo or he got captured by Russo. Um, yeah, it was solitary, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So they're looking over the documents that Saeed, I guess, stole from Russo. Uh and I know we've discussed these in episodes later on. They kind of brought it into the or they bring it into the fold anyway, in terms of locating the Black Rock. But Hurley notices the repeated uh phrasing of four eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty three, forty two. Um and that kind of sets him off a little bit. Uh, and he goes in search of Russo himself, doesn't he? Um kind of ignoring Said's warnings at the same time that she'll she'll have you basically.
1: <laughs> and Said is clearly still rattled from his experience in, in like the forest with like the whispers mm-hmm. without saying yeah. it. Like, and Said's like a tough he's a tough biscuit. But he even is. Hurley and, doesn't even recognise that. He's clearly like, he's no, he's committed like regardless like, of the and warning. And just
0: whilst, that's fantastic that you mentioned that, Scott, because that just brings up a point of how badly written Said was in the previous episode. Yes, yeah.
1: that's exactly what I'm talking about. Everything he does apart from Shannon is interesting. <laughs> and he's, he, you know, it's so obviously not an issue with him when he's talking with Shannon. No. Everything nope. is kind of like put to the side, but here he's yep. like still reading from it.
0: Yeah, so if you think about it, in the previous episode, he was all lovey-dovey and he was he's not a scarred man. You know, he's not someone who's scarred by the events of what's happened to him so far on the island, don't even seem scarred about his time in the Republican Guard, you know, he's head over heels in love and ready to bump uglies. But this episode, it's like we're straight back, we're straight back to the tortured Saeed, which we know and love. And that there you incons- <laughs> there, there's your, there's your inconsistency. There's your inconsistency. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just ridiculous how that was written. But he yeah, he ignores his warnings and Hurley finds the same cable on the beach that Saeed found, doesn't he? He goes off on his extended walk and uh I quite like this scene because he this is when he kinda of disappears into the jungle and um he finds the rope bridge, doesn't he?
1: I, I, I like, like a... I, yeah. I'd say it's just a head a little bit, but I, I love when he's when he gets the gets to the cable, and mm. he goes French chick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just a typical he, he knows her name. Like, Siders so he told him her name. And he still knows <laughs> a French chick. It's brilliant.
0: And the fact that he thinks she'll just be there as well. Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll just be there
0: waiting for him. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Hurley. <laughs> This is where I stand now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's good fun. It's good fun. Um, She's obviously being Russo's set loads of traps alongside the cable. But this is interesting. This is where he starts to seemingly get some good luck. And he he, he escapes getting hurt by any of the traps that she's set. Um,
1: Because Jack, Charlie and Saïd turn up looking for him, don't they? They do. Hurley accidentally or inadvertently um, springs the trap of yes. some giant wooden spiky spikes. Yes. Um, yeah. And <laughs> spiky cause <what> we... spikes. <laughs> I can't think of no, another but... adjective for it. Spiky spikes. <laughs> and I think... It's very,
0: a, it's very Indiana Jones, isn't it? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's a very great line from Charlie when <laughs> I think Jack O'Said says, we need to find something to... <laughs> to um. <laughs> swap for Hurley's weight, and and Charlie says, like, really? (laughs) And be like, hey!
0: (laughs) I think, I think you can, again, a bit almost like Saeed, you can almost get away with that joke, because it's very clearly established that Hurley and Charlie have, like, a bromance going on, and also, I don't think it's meant in a way that's meant to offend as such, it's just one of those, I think it's a very British thing that, as well, I'd say, I'd just like to point out (laughs) It's a very, uh, w- very witty British remark to make. I'm very off the cuff, for the, any the Hurley... Americans who may be listening. <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the Hurley weight jibes—they're very, very few and far between. But they're dealt yeah. with in a very kind of like Hurley just kind of laughs it off or just kind of mm. buffs them. You know, I mean, it doesn't. It might affect him. You know, I think it does affect him mm. when he's. When we get to the stuff with Libby, but in general, yeah. they don't. They don't really hone down on it so yeah. much. I, no. I thought it was interesting.
2: Like it, it doesn't hugely mind the uh or doesn't at least look as though he minds the 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 weight jabs but charlie keeps repeating like like you're getting on like a lunatic you know you and he objects to that because obviously there's the the connection later on but i thought that was uh, again with with the foreknowledge i thought that was quite a quite a nice um foreshadowing
0: i've only just really yeah, I've only just thought about this, but could I know we've mentioned it previously. Could we say potentially that in the context of this rewatch that in terms of laying out future storylines, Hur- the writers have made Hurley one of the better ones because we know, like you say, he reacts to the accusations of being insane. We know now, or at least we get to know that he was in a mental mm-hmm. asylum. We've had it laid out that he, he, you know, we've mentioned when he mentions jokingly, oh, I was rich off the island and everyone's like, shut up early. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, they actually really did well in laying out those future plot lines.
2: Yeah. I, I, th- I, th- it's, I think um, the delivery uh, of the lines in the previous episodes, you know, they're never, uh, they're just uh, like offhand comments, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really dwell on them. So mm. it. it 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 helps. Like I think if again, if you're watching it for the first time, you would just be like, oh, Hurley's just messing about, he's just he, he's joking around. Um like mm. Charlie uh, thinks he is at the end of this episode. But um yeah, it it's it's pretty good. I mean sowing those seeds early on so that they pay off later down the line, it's it's, it's good. Especially because they're just like a line or two here or there. Uh, and then you get the, the whole episode yeah. <laughs> devoted to it. Uh, yeah, I mean I'm sure yeah. there's others I've missed, but yeah, this is this is especially good.
0: I think my favorite thing about this episode actually is how determined Hurley is. Like he really doesn't give a shit. He's ju- he's going to do what he's going to yeah. do. So like even after the the event with the spiky spike, as we'll call it now, because I love that. Um, <laughs> even after the event with the spiky spike, things you know, he, he goes to the uh, drawbridge as I've previously mentioned, and he's like, they're all like Jack being Jack side being side. They're like, no, no, we need to think of this logically. And Hurley's like, nope, I'm going over. <laughs> he's just gonna. He's got. He's he's literally a man on a mission. Um, and I quite found it funny that it it buckles under Charlie's weight, not Hurley's. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was quite funny as well as like it's almost like a little subtext of saying it's not it's not the the bigger guy that's going to buckle this bridge. It's you for making that stupid comment previously.
1: Yeah, Yeah. is it trying to say that Hurley has reverse fortune on the island? Like he's had bad luck off the island, yeah, Mm. his normal life, but here he has great luck, like he didn't get killed by Spike, Spikey Spike and he didn't, he should I mean really, he should have fallen to his death um, yeah. at bridge. you know, Charlie's about what like 98 pounds <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, he shouldn't have really I think, happened.
0: I think maybe in the overarching um, uh, story of Lost, perhaps again, we, we've mentioned religious allegories and stuff like that and knowing where Hurley ends up, I guess at the end of the series mm you could argue that I think that's the implication there is that when he's on the Island, he has much better look than he ever did outside of the Island. Yeah. He's um, big chief. yeah well, he's big. Yeah. He's the chief, I guess way, way into the future. Sorry guys, <laughs> but yeah, way, way into the future. If you've not figured now we're talking in spoilers. <laughs> um, so they, they get separated. Uh, you've got the standard uh, duo of uh, Jack and Said, and I guess also the standard duo of Hurley and uh, Charlie. So I think we've got four very good characters uh, occupying or orbiting this episode, especially the on-island events. Um, Jack and Saeed arrive at uh, Russo's shelter, and this time they do set off a trap and there's a (laughs) massive explosion, which I thought was quite funny uh, given everything that had happened so far. And um, I I thought it was quite funny how after the explosion, Saeed's like, she must have expected me to return. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> and I guess the, the, the other side to that is uh, Hurley and Charlie start getting shot at. Mm. <laughs> the, And it's another standard lost trope of let's watch them all run through the jungle. Uh, they <laughs> split up and Hurley then meets Russo, uh, the French chick. Mm. She's got him at gunpoint. And again, this determination that he's suddenly showing... Um, he kind of refuses to back down and he insists that tell telling what the numbers mean. So it's it's very clear how important these numbers are, whether you think it's silly or not. There's a clear meaning to them that they're trying to set up within the mythology of the series. Mm-hmm. I think Russo kind of falls for his like how sincere he is. I think we all fall for it, don't we? And, and he is just a lovely guy. So she kind of lowers his gun. Uh, lowers a gun, sorry, and says, "You know, she does. She doesn't have an idea what they mean." Yeah, and that her her initial party were drawn to the island by those numbers, mm-hmm. which is where I made the connection between the uh, um, Toomey and Lenny thing, which is that was the moment where I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, yeah, because she gives even more context to when her yeah when her team got to the island. Yeah,
0: ah, yeah, she's good. yeah, because she says that they we knew that she was shipwrecked because she said that to Saeed in the past, mm-hmm. but this is when she starts to say we're actually literally drawn to the island by this transmission of the numbers, and it and then she starts mentioning this is when I think we get the first uh rumblings of a transmission tower on the island because she says it took them weeks to find it, mm-hmm. and this is the first I think I could be wrong. This is the first instance where she mentioned we might get a mention of the Black rock. So again, sure. we started, the mythology is getting thrown at you, whether you know it or not at this point, obviously there's no context to the Black rock. Um, but then a team became sick, and again, this is quite a prevalent thing for a, quite a substantial amount of time is the idea of people getting sick. Mm-hmm on the island and how it's got these supernatural we know it's got supernatural qualities but even more so people get sick for some reason why aren't you getting sick so there's all these weird uncertainties that the writers are throwing at you Um, and then the final part of that is after everyone died from her party she changed the message to her own distress signal which is what we hear in the pilot episode
2: the uh, 16 years or whatever it was um uh, yeah 16 16, 16 one of the numbers so yeah mm-hmm. and this, she also says you know she she comes around to hurley's way of thinking that you know maybe since since everything that happened to her since she was shipwrecked was because of the numbers you know she she agrees yeah. with hurley that you know maybe they are cursed which is what hurley has been yeah. wanting to hear for ages um because you know his mom said no they're not cursed uh the like the his accountant said no they're not cursed the <laughs> the awful accented lady said no they're not cursed um (laughs) you know just it's
0: one of those it's one of those lovely moments isn't it again where it's kind of validation for a character yeah
2: that's it's it's really good uh, again yeah i always i I feel like i always end up saying it's a really nice scene but it is a really nice scene. um that that hurley gets that um he can finally breathe you know now that somebody agrees with him you know all this stuff that's that's happened to him hasn't just been, or, or sorry, it has just been bad luck. You know, he he, he is cursed in a way. It's it's quite yeah. a, I guess even by the end of the episode, Hurley still feels like he's he's slightly cursed. I think. Um, quite a strange yeah. way to,
1: to to end. I was going to say is because um because Charlie Charlie mentions about his his drug use on the plane. Mm-hmm. But sorry, sorry, I I will correct that. I think it's the first time. We explicitly hear Charlie say he was snorting heroin, whereas before it was... Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, joke. <drunk>. Uh, <laughs> but then uh Hugo, I think Hugo tells him that he's he's worth like $150 million, mm-hmm. and then Charlie mm-hmm. thinks he's joking. And I think you point out earlier on that for up to now, Hurley's just been the comedy relief. No one's really taking him seriously. So even now, mm-hmm. when he wants to be serious, no one takes he him seriously. He can't be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think just before that as well, one of the funnier moments of the episode, and I think this kind of, it's just kind of how it's been built up that Russo's this antagonistic character. She kind of is, but she's conflicted and we know her ultimately to have good intention. But just with her experiences with Saeed and obviously torturing him and knowing she's a bit disturbed, I thought it was really funny how Hurley just kind of walks back with that battery (laughs) and they're all like, oh my God, are you okay? And he just kind of gives it to Saeed and they're all like, how did he do that? Oh, <laughs> I mean,
1: he says, like, just... "Oh, she says hello, by the way." Or her, uh, she says yeah, yeah, hi. yeah.
0: That's it. He's like, she's, uh, she says, "Hey, by the way," and they're all just looking at each other like flabbergasted. Like this bitch tortured me, and she shot at me, and he's nearly tried to kill me, but she gives him the battery. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought that was really lovely, just because Hurley can melt butter, obviously, can't yeah. he? He's he's just great. But yeah, just back to what you were saying, like you know, Charlie storming off. I think that obviously lends to what we've discussed about Charlie is that he's quite, he can be quite volatile and uh, stubborn. But yeah, even when Hurley wants to be serious, it, it's still a bit of a joke to people. Um, and it's how, how does he articulate that? You can't really say anything other than "I was rich."
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a shame. It's not really, it's not really um, by fault of the of the other people on the island, it's because Hurley has made a conscious effort to be the guy, to cheer people up and to be the comic relief. And they've just kind of used that and just kind of presumed him to be just a general joker that he doesn't have like mm-hmm. secrets. Because I think he says they don't want to Charlie he says, you know, dude, like you don't you don't know me. You don't know me as well as you think you do. You just think I'm some joke but, you know, I have got shit going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah um i get- and I guess you know we're left with a bit of conflict there we're left it's it's relatively light hearted the episode i guess it, especially the on island events, should I say just to clarify, I guess the on island events there is a bit of turmoil there, but ultimately, Hurley gets the job done through his determination um but like any classic lost stinger um just when you least expect it. The numbers, the final part, the numbers are then shown to be uh, engraved on the hatch, on the door of the hatch. I had completely... Which I just I think I, I completely forgot as well. Um, yeah. And I distinctly then went back to being 14 or whatever when I first watched it and remember screaming like, holy shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because now you think, what does this all mean?
1: Is there a point at all where Hurley, like when they get to the hatch, jumping in my head, obviously, and then Hurley, does he ever see the numbers on the hatch? Yes. I would say he's <laughs> going to freak out probably. Oh, he does. He does.
0: <laughs> he, acti- he, he, he actively tries to stop them from doing yeah. it.
1: I think, yes. No, you're right.
0: And Locke, Locke acknowledges it and is just like, no, I'm blowing this bitch. <laughs> You're not letting me stop this. He, he, he looks at him and goes, nah, sorry, blowing it. <laughs> but that's jumping a bit ahead in three weeks' time when we talk about that. But yeah, Hurley acknowledges the numbers on the hatch and basically says no good can come of this. Um, wow. But that's your, that's your little stinger for the last episode. That, I mean, ultimately, there's so much going on in this episode, um, not, not just from a character perspective, but really setting up where the series is going. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really um, fantastic. Yeah, it's quite
2: strange.
1: What was the? so Sorry, John. No, no. I was
2: just going to ask about um, the, like the numbers in general. Um, it does seem as though it was a a concept thrown in there, and then obviously I take it to be this way. You know, it hastily written to to fit sort of how they were going to play out. Because by the end, doesn't it, it refers to certain characters on the island. I, don't, I can't remember what it is exactly. It's, it's something to do with Jacob and it's something to do with Protector of the Island or something like that. Um, but
0: I... It's uh, the, uh, the Candidate. Yes, that's
2: right. That's right. Um, I don't know if that was... Just personally, I don't know if it was ever very satisfying, um, a, a satisfying answer to what the numbers were. Um, I think... You know, before it was, it was sort of demystified. It was a lot more, a lot more engaging.
0: I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, I, know. I appreciate how they eventually changed it, but the numbers in this episode, you know, just how they were established, is very specific to Hurley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think how they ended up expanding on it, it, it's that A to B thing we've discussed again. It's like, right, we need to somehow make these numbers that are very specific to this one character fit into the overall arc of the show, which is fine, but it how we get there is very messy, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it raises more questions than it answers. <laughs> and I know what you're saying. It, it it doesn't fully pay off as a as a plot device. Mm. I think for the context of what we've got now, it's super exciting. And especially with everything being on the hatch as well. You just think, you get this idea that, you know, it, it gives the impression that, you know, the hatch is almost like the lost version of hell. You know, you're going down, what are you going down into? You can only go into hell, basically. It, everything's psyching you up for what, what evilness could happen in that hatch. And yeah, fantastic. What a stinger. Loved it. Unless we've got anything else to say, I've got a few production notes. I've got a really fun one I've found. Hurley being mistaken for a drug dealer in the uh, opening flashbacks and getting arrested is actually a reference, apparently, to uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm for either of you, if you've watched Curb Your Enthusiasm or like Curb yes. Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Jorge Garcia played a drug dealer in an episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm and apparently... It was oh. this particular role that got him the role of Hurley in Lost. Oh
1: wow, Jesus! I never so seen him want... in that show. That's what, I've... and I've I've watched very little of
0: it. It's not it's my humour sadly.
1: Oh, it's, it's I, I love it. It's, it's right on my head.
0: I might have to go back to it because I watched it when I was like I was a bit younger, and I might I, only... I might appreciate the humour now.
1: Or... Yeah, I I only started watching it about two or three years ago um yeah it's yeah it's probably one of the best comedy ser- probably one of the best american series i'd say um in the last oh, twenty wow. years it's well i'll definitely
0: check I'll definitely check it out again then but yeah, I just thought that was a nice little production now uh there's not much more in terms of uh production just uh in terms of the general reception of the episode uh it was quite acclaimed which i'm I'm happy about mm-hmm. i think uh generally speaking everyone agreed that Hurley and Russo's encounter was kind of like the peak moment of the episode, just because Hurley finds comfort, you know, in in someone that you you least expect, really. Uh, You expect it to maybe be Charlie or Jack perhaps, but finding it with Russo was quite unexpected, but the way they did it was very lovely. And uh, obviously we get the mystery of the numbers. uh, And what do they mean? Funnily enough, actually, sorry, I do have another production note. So, within three days of the airing of this episode, the numbers <laughs> were actually tried over 500 times in the lottery by players across the US. For fuck's <laughs> sake. No, that's, no shit.
1: That's worse than people committing suicide because they're thinking they go to Pandora.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Remember Is that, that shit was
1: happening? Yeah, I don't remember thing. that. Honestly, if you're looking at 2009, 2010, when the Avatar came out and people were. Like convinced that Pandora was a real place and James Cameron wasn't like a hack fraud. It's They're fucking poker
0: in space. <laughs> the last bit though of this trivia though is that the the issue apparently people people continued to use the sequence, and the, it actually came to the attention of the uh, the people who obviously were running it because at that particular point there was a jackpot of three hundred and eighty million on the on the cards. Okay. Could you imagine? If the numbers had actually come,
1: on. <laughs> just rig it, just <laughs> just for a laugh to see it happens. <laughs> uh,
0: and apparently, a series of the numbers were drawn: four, eight, fifteen, and the mega ball was actually forty-two, and it matched four of the five numbers. That's crazy. Um, I know, right? Uh, and the, pl- <laughs> the the players who actually won they only won about one hundred and fifty dollars. They didn't obviously get everything. But how freaky is that?
1: Oh, that's, God. that's like a share yeah. of 400 million dollars <laughs> that's like
2: that's that's something you just wouldn't do it's like i i, I don't believe in that no. sort of stuff but i wouldn't say candy man five times in the mirror i'm not going to use the numbers to try and win the lottery you know it's just, that's tempting <laughs> i can't
0: i can't deal with the fact about candy man no chance i'm not but i mean i'm i'm not a religious man i don't believe you know in i know things are film i know things are tv but i ain't doing that
2: Oh no. Oh, Candyman
0: scared me as a child. It still scares me now.
2: <laughs> but like, like the,
0: the, the, with but other than that.
2: Sorry, just I was just going to say with with in relation yep. to the numbers. I mean, it's probably the most iconic part of the show, right? Yeah, arguably, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I know for a fact that I could have listed them off before I did this rewatch, and I haven't watched Lost since 2010. You know, it's just one of yeah. those things that's in my brain now. Uh, I, I can't think of anything that would be possibly. Like such a recognizable symbol to do with loss, maybe like the yeah. the, the Dharma um, logo. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things that oh, I well. always have to associate with loss. You know, it's it's ingrained in my brain. Absolutely. I did
1: have one one other part of inf- um of the show of the episode that we didn't touch on, uh, and it's a very very small p- part. It's um what I've called John does a kindness, and. John- uh, <laughs> John up builds builds a little crib for Claire's baby. That's right,
0: yeah. Um, oh of and it's it's it's
1: quite it's quite a nice scene. Um uh where Claire confides in Locke that she was gonna give away the baby and um uh I think there's I think he says something like Oh, sorry, and it's her birthday. Sorry, it's her birthday. Mm-hmm. And Claire says, Well, we you know there's no point about my birthday because you know, no one knows me here. but he says, Here you go, here's the here's the crib. Um and I, it just again, Claire as a character and Emily like, the Ravin, it it just it really annoys me when we have. I know it's like a big thing now, especially in the last few years, about um, female characters being well written and and betrayed um, as much as men. But how can we have such great characters in this show like Claire and like Sun um, who are and Kate who are just so um, maybe not Kate as much, but Son and Claire are one of the two of the best written characters on this show but you mm. still have like, detritus like shannon it just <laughs> confuses me
0: i agree i agree
1: it's it's just completely muddled up and i yeah but i, I thought it was a nice little scene and yeah I john agree. does something
0: nice that's all yeah he, he always tries to do the best things and Blessed. is it it's
1: not the same it's not the same crib as she has in the dream is it because this is more uh, like a, it's like a rocking cradle thing isn't mm. it but the one in i can't the... remember is
0: that the one with all the blood coming out yeah. of it, it that's the one it, it could be like a. it could be like a precursor to it i don't know if it's the one i can't remember i'll be honest but it's definitely a precursor to it yeah ah well with that i think we'll come to a natural end because we've been nearly on for two hours so we won't yeah. keep you for that much longer all i'll say is thank you for your time again chaps it's been great um thank you to all the listeners tonight we'll always be remembered for discussions about Sun and Haley and also Liverpool winning the premiership title for the first time in 30 years which I've just been informed <laughs> oh, of oh, so yes. there you go wow. <laughs> so well done, with Chelsea. that <laughs> yes well done Chelsea yeah well done Chelsea so with that chaps thank you very much we'll close another chapter in Lost in the Lockdown and speak next week bye bye